Blog Talk Radio. listening to PGN Prophetic Grace Network. Today we are talking about secrets revealed, understanding the book of Revelation from start to finish. There are 12 statements of prophecy that John the Revelator was shown in the book of Revelation. He shares those visions that he was shown when he was called up to heaven, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 5. And the last part of the last vision he was shown is in verse 5 of chapter 22. The majority of the book of Revelation includes the statements of prophecy. In other words, the visions John the Revelator was shown. Today, we have discussion and analysis with me, your book of Revelation research scientist, on the 144,000 first fruits prophecy, it appears in chapter 14 of the book of Revelation, along with the earth-reaped prophecy. We're going to hear those prophecies today. We're going to discuss and analyze those prophecies today. Let's begin with talking about the harvest. So the earth will yield its crop. What's its crop? It's the forever family of Jesus Christ. It's all who will be members of the royal race, all who will inherit the new earth. God wanted a forever family, and so he created the earth, which would ultimately yield its crop. And again, the crop, earth's crop, is the forever family of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the first to rise from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he rose to a reality of immortality, living in a glorified body, living in a peak performance body, living in a body that will never, ever die. And every person who is a part of earth's crop will live in a forever body. A body that's 100% free of DNA errors. A body that is suitable for habitation on this present earth and the new earth to come. A body just like the body that Jesus Christ inhabits today where he lives in present heaven. But he is returning. The second coming of Jesus Christ will begin with the marriage of the Lamb. What's that? That's when every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's the book that has a record, the name recorded of every person who is a member of the royal race, every person who will transition from mortality to immortality. When Jesus Christ returns, He returns not as the Lamb of God, but as the Lion of the tribe of Judah 
two important things will happen. Number one, the marriage of the Lamb. That's the first resurrection. When all whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will transition from mortality to immortality. And the second important event is the Battle of Armageddon, a war waged in righteousness as described in Revelation chapter 14. It is the war to end all wars. There will never, ever be another war on this earth again. So what happens after the Battle of Armageddon? According to Isaiah chapter 9, it says, and of the increase of his government, talking about Jesus Christ, and his peace, there will be no end. After the Battle of Armageddon is the beginning, the commencement of the government of Jesus Christ, described in Isaiah chapter 9, and the beginning of the government of Jesus Christ is a thousand years. So you say, wait a minute, how can the beginning be a thousand years? The millennial reign described in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 10, that's the millennial reign prophecy. It begins with Satan in a battle, Satan's in a battle, hand-to-hand combat with an angel of the Lord. He's thrown into the bottomless pit, and the angel locks him in there. But he's in there for only a thousand years. Now, what's happening on the earth during that time, it's the commencement, the beginning of the government of Jesus Christ, the beginning of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ on this present earth. And after the beginning of the government of Jesus Christ, which will be forever and ever, remember Isaiah chapter 9 says, and of the increase of his government, and his peace, there shall be no end. So no end means no end. The eternities of eternities. After the end of the age, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ will continue. So after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, two, the final two enemies of God are destroyed. So at the end of the millennial reign, Satan is destroyed. He's thrown into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and brimstone. And that is God's strategy for destroying his enemies. The second death, that's when an individual or a thing is destroyed. It is separated forever and ever from God. And it resides, it exists in a fiery lake that burns with sulfur and brimstone, that's a forever destination. It's called eternal damnation. So Satan, at the end of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, he goes to the fiery lake, that's at the end of the millennial reign prophecy, and then all who are team Satan, in other words, all who fail to become children of God, and then that means that they are children of Satan. They join him in the fiery lake. That's described in the dead judged prophecy. Now, they don't join him haphazardly. They 
they have an opportunity to have their case heard. That's described in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. After their cases are heard and it's determined that indeed they failed to go to mediation, their sin debts have not been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a righteous verdict is rendered. That verdict is that those individuals indeed must pay for their sin debts and the payment is eternal damnation. So they join Satan in the fiery lake that burns with sulfur and brimstone and death itself is destroyed. It joins the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, and all of the children of Satan in the fiery lake. All five enemies of God are destroyed. But let's go back to the beginning of this timeline. What about Earth's crop? What about those who will rule and reign with Jesus Christ when he returns after the first resurrection, which is the marriage of the Lamb, after the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is the battle of Armageddon? What about those individuals who participated in a marriage of the Lamb. How does that all happen? What about the first resurrection? What about those individuals who transitioned from mortality to immortality? Chapter 14 of the book of Revelation is moving pictures in words. What today we would call movies, John was shown moving pictures in words. He was shown visions, not that he caused himself to have, but visions that were documentaries of future realities, movies, documentaries, if you will, real events that are coming up very shortly, coming up in our future. We're going to hear about the reality of transitioning from mortality to immortality. The harvest as described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 includes those who are disembodied spirits in heaven. Those who died in Christ, they transition from mortality to immortality. They come back with Jesus Christ at his second coming, their reconstituted bodies, their peak performance bodies, their glorified bodies, their perfected bodies, their immortal bodies rise from the grave and they put them on like you would put on a new suit that has been perfectly tailored just for you. They put on that peak performance body, which they will inhabit forever and ever for the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ and for the eternities of eternities. Those of us who are here on the earth at the time of his second coming, we transition in the blink of an eye from mortality to immortality, putting on our peak performance bodies. We will never, ever die. That's in the letters of instruction in the New Testament. 
We're told, Paul says, I'll tell you a secret. Not all of us will fall asleep. What does that mean? The first death is referred to over and over again as simply falling asleep. Why? Because every person who has ever lived on this earth and died continues with perfect continuity of life as a disembodied spirit and soul. So instead of being three in one, people who have died, in other words, people who have fallen asleep are now two in one. What does that mean? Every person who has ever lived, every human being who has ever lived and died on this present earth either resides in heaven, present heaven, which is a temporary Storage tank, Prophet Randy Chandler referred to heaven as a temporary storage tank. I love that metaphor. The prolific writer on heaven, Randy Alcorn, refers to heaven as a layover, another great metaphor. So either a human being who has fallen asleep resides in heaven, present heaven, or resides in Hades. Both are temporary storage tanks. Both are layovers. So if you died in Christ and you're in heaven, present heaven, that's a layover. That's a storage tank. And you stay there resting from your labors. They are resting from their labors until they return with Jesus Christ, as described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Those, so let me back up for a second. So they will be resurrected. What does that mean? So they have perfect continuity of life. Soul, their mind, will, and emotions, their spirit continued immediately. The Bible tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those who died in Christ. So they are living, but they are living as disembodied spirits and souls, two in one instead of three in one. But they will return putting on their peak performance body, being restored three in one. When Jesus Christ returns, they will return and put on their new bodies, tangible bodies, bodies that can receive food. When Jesus rose from the dead, he ate fish, we're told. You could touch him. He was able to ascend in his peak performance body. Now, those who are in Hades, that is a temporary storage tank, completely dark, they are not yet in the fiery lake that burns with brimstone and sulfur. You say, well, how do you know that? We know that from Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. God is a just God. No one is sentenced to eternal damnation, no human being, with the, uh, with the exception of the Antichrist and the false prophet, they go to hell, the fiery lake that burns with uh, brimstone, sulfur and brimstone forever and ever, at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, the first two enemies of God to go there. But human beings... Who are, not, who are neither the Antichrist nor the false prophet, they get to have their cases heard. 
They participate in what the book of Revelation refers to as the great white throne judgment. So until their cases are heard, they are in a prison of darkness in a location referred to as Hades in the Bible. Now, they will be resurrected for participation for the purposes of participating in the great white throne judgment. That's in the book of Revelation, in the dead judged prophecy, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. That's the 11th of 12 statements of prophecy. Now let's go back. We're talking today about the harvest. So every person has a final destination, which is either the new earth, that's for those who are part of Earth's crop. We're about to talk about that. Or an individual's final destination is the fiery lake that burns with sulfur and brimstone described in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Satan goes there. Revelation chapter 20, verse, verses 14 and 15 Death is going there, and all who have rejected Jesus Christ are going there. Okay, now let us talk about this 144,000. They are one part of Earth's crop. The Earth's crop includes three parts, but let's go to the book of Revelation. Let's hear two prophecies. First, the 144,000, first fruits prophecy, and then... The earth reaped prophecy. Now, in the book of Revelation, there's a pattern. There's a pattern that is there at least three times. You say, well, what's the pattern? There's a report of what happens to those who are in Israel at the time of the return of Jesus Christ. The Jews who have been worshiping in the rebuilt third temple, the temple described in the seven trumpets prophecy in the book of Revelation, the temple that will be on the temple mount, the pattern in the book of Revelation is that those Jews who are there in Israel, not in Washington, D.C., not in Garland, Texas, not in Johannesburg, South Africa, not in Mexico City, Mexico. These are wonderful places. But in the book of Revelation, there is a specific focus often on what happens where the Battle of Armageddon will be fought. That battle is not international. It's not nationwide. It's not worldwide. It's in a specific country, which is Israel. And it's in a specific location in Israel. The book of Revelation often describes what is happening in Israel during the Great Tribulation and what is happening in Israel during the Battle of Armageddon. The pattern that I want to draw our attention to today is this. In 
it was prophesied in Romans, Romans chapter 11, verse 25. Paul says, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. The full number of Gentiles comes to Christ after the great tribulation, during which time those who are wise will instruct many. The full number of Gentiles comes to Christ after the last person, the last person whose name is written in the Lamb's book, of life who is a gentile participates in the marriage of the lamb. I'm going to say more on this, but let's talk about this pattern that we're going to look at today. The pattern is this. In the book of Revelation there's a report of specifically what is happening to Israel and then what is happening to the others. whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know that I said that uh, perfectly. Let me try it one more time. What is happening with biological Jews and Israel, the biological Jews associated with Israel? Now, there are biological Jews in many places, right? In Ethiopia, for example, they have found uh, biological Jews. They are biological Jews in uh, America. They are biological Jews in Canada, many places. But in the book of Revelation specifically, there's a focus on biological Jews in Israel and others, other believers, others who have found and followed God's plan for salvation these two groups now where do we see this pattern in the seven seals prophecy so in revelation chapter 7 we've talked about this in the month of may i'm not going to go there now just due to time constraints but in the seven seals prophecy we see a description of the 144,000 what happens to them and then what about all the others? And the Bible says the number is too vast to count, and they're from all nations. What about the others who participate in the marriage of the Lamb? So there's a description of the 144,000 who participate in the harvest, who are a part of the harvest. And you say, well, how do you know that the 144,000 are a part of the harvest? Because we're told in Revelation chapter 7 that the angel puts the mark of God, the seal of God, on their foreheads. What does that mean? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, we're told that all who are victorious will have the mark of God the new name of Jesus Christ and the name of God the Father, that that 
mark will go on all who are victorious. Let me read that to you. So Revelation, in the seven letters to the seven churches, Jesus Christ shares, uh, among other things, the rewards of being a child of God, the rewards of being a member of the royal race, the rewards of dying in Christ, the rewards of being in Christ at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, all whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, are victorious. And about that, Jesus says, verse 12 of chapter 3, all who are victorious, he starts with that. Then he shares some, uh, some of those rewards. And here's the part we're talking about. And I will write on them, who's them? All who are victorious. He says in verse 12, and I will write on them the name of my God. And then he says at the end of verse and I will also write on them my new name. And then when we go to Revelation chapter 7, so we need to see this pattern of how there's discussion of the biological Jews in Israel and then a discussion of the others whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Revelation chapter 7, It says, and I saw another angel coming up from the east carrying the seal of the living God, and he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, don't wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. So the 144,000, as we've been discussing on every program in the month of May this year, 2023, the 144,000 are a part of the harvest, a part of earth's crop, a part of those who are victorious, And these individuals are here at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 9 of chapter 7, in the seven seals prophecy, John the Revelator says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the lamb they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands now everyone who's clothed in a white robe here is an individual who is victorious and it says they were from every nation and tribe and people in language so what's the take-home point for us right now i know that's a lot of information first john the revelator is shown what happens to those who are in Israel at the time of the second coming, those who remain after the armies of the Antichrist have traversed the path of the Euphrates River, which is dried up supernaturally as a result of the sixth and final plague. These are individuals who refuse to leave Jerusalem. 
individuals who have been believing for their Messiah to come, who have refused to leave that land, even though the world, most of the world, will have turned against Israel. The Antichrist is preparing for another Jewish holocaust. He has entered the land. And in Zechariah chapter 14, chapters 12, 13, and 14, we hear all about this day. So these 144,000 are a part of the harvest, and they are victorious. Now, what does it mean to be victorious? They have that mark of God, and it means that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, in Revelation chapter 12, we have the same pattern. First, in Revelation chapter 12, There's a discussion of the Great Tribulation and specifically what is happening to those who are in the physical location known as Israel during the Great Tribulation. And then in Revelation chapter 13, what is happening during the Great Tribulation to those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life during the Great Tribulation. In other words, what's happening to the church, to Christians? Okay, so that's the second time that that pattern is shown. Now, it could be shown uh, more than two times. That's the second time that I've perceived it. Again, we have the same pattern. We're about to talk about it. In Revelation chapter 14, John the Revelator is shown with the harvest. In other words, this, the moment in time where finally, after thousands and thousands of years, the moment in time where we all, who are we all, all of us whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the moment in time where we all transition from mortality to immortality. In other words, when Earth's crop is reaped. What does that mean? People have not died in vain. So if a person has fallen asleep, has experienced the first death, has died, and that person died in Christ, that person is a part of the harvest. If a person resides on this present earth and is in Christ at the time of the second coming that person is a part of the harvest if a person is among the 144,000 who remain at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ that person is a part of the harvest so in that way the harvest includes three parts now we're going to see that described in Revelation 14. Now, we must understand the pattern. Now, remember, first, those who came to Christ were biological Jews in Israel. And then they're the original olive tree. And then those of us who are Gentiles, we were grafted in. We were grafted in. We're the wild olive tree. And so that pattern 
in the book of Revelation describing what's happening with the original olive tree and then what's happening with the wild olive tree that has been grafted in that pattern of John the Revelator being shown one, then two, one, then two. Biological Israel, who's a part of the harvest, and then the Gentiles, who are a part of the harvest, that pattern is used. In other words, the information is presented that way. So let us talk about Revelation 14, 144,000 first fruits prophecy. It says, then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. Now, when is Jesus Christ standing on Mount Zion? After he returns and the first two parts of the harvest, those who have died in Christ, we're told in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, they transition from mortality to immortality first. Then those of us who are here at the time of the second coming and who are in Christ, then we rise up to meet them. Now, this is shortly thereafter, right? So it's in the same timing, but this is just the order. We transition from mortality to immortality, then we ascend. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about anything new age. Uh, at that point in our peak performance bodies, we rise up because we're able to do that in our peak performance body, and we meet Jesus Christ in the air along with those who died in Christ. Now we're all here on present earth. Now, there's a third part of the harvest. Romans chapter 11 says, again, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ, and so all Israel will be saved. When is all Israel going to be saved? This moment, this moment that I just described. After the marriage of the Lamb, there's the marriage supper, the battle of Armageddon described in Revelation chapter 19. When Jesus Christ has completed the marriage of the lamb with the first two parts of the harvest, now it's time to fight and win the battle of Armageddon on behalf of Israel. But before the battle of Armageddon is fought and won, the 144,000 must be sealed. Why? So that they can be a part of the harvest so that they can participate in the battle of Armageddon as described in Zechariah where it says on that day, what day? The battle of Armageddon. On that day, the weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. And so on that day, as described in Revelation chapter 6, Seven, they will transition, they will get the mark of God on their foreheads. What does that mean? This remnant, all Israel, that's how many will be there at the time that Jesus Christ returns to fight and win the battle of Armageddon, the specific number of Jews in Israel, not Jews in America, Canada, 
Africa, uh, Asia, uh, Ireland, the specific number of Jews, biological Jews, who are there in Israel and their connection to the specific tribes that is enumerated in Revelation chapter 7 in the seven seals prophecy. And now we hear about the 144,000 who participate, uh, who are part of earth's crop, who participate in that reaping, it says. Revelation 14, then I saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Now, when we hear this, we're not surprised because we know that that's in Revelation chapter 7. In the seven seals prophecy, we're told that the angel put the mark of God on their foreheads, which transitioned them that mark them as children of God, that means that they are victorious. They are the final part of the harvest described in Romans chapter 11, verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved after the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. Now, the full number of Gentiles has come to Christ, and it says, Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000. So these are only biological Jews who are in Israel at the time of the second coming. They are, they are losing. It appears that they are losing. They are waiting for their Messiah. They have refused to leave that land that was promised to Abraham and his descendants. They have been participating uh, in their Ceremonies and rituals, including those ceremonies that involve the ashes of the red heifer that now is in Israel. The tenth red heifer is there. The usage of the ashes of the red heifer will happen when the third temple is rebuilt. So these are those individuals, okay? It says, then I saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion, that's in Israel, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. What does this mean? They transitioned from mortality to immortality. They became a member of the royal race with that reality manifested in other words they're not in a temporary storage tank they are in their glorified perfected peak performance bodies that they will have for the first thousand years of the government of jesus christ and that they will inhabit for the eternities of eternities on the new earth forever and ever they have been redeemed and it says just talking about what's their fate ultimately what happens to them they have kept themselves as pure as virgins following the lamb wherever he goes now what do they do 
They follow him wherever he goes. They have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the Lamb. They have told no lies. They are without blame. I've said this before. Don't be mad when it says they have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering. Don't be mad when uh, you hear that the 144,000 doesn't include Gentiles. Remember that as Gentiles, we are a part of the family of God. We are the wild olive tree. Uh, The Bible says, and so all Israel will be saved and that they are a special offering. God has waited a very long time for the 144,000. So many had hard hearts as described in the book of Romans. So many God wanted to be a part of his forever family, but they don't realize that the old covenant is outdated and has been replaced with a new covenant. Now, in the book of Acts, we hear about those Jews who received the truth about Jesus Christ who transitioned from the old covenant to the new covenant. But there are those and their children and their children's children and their children's children and on like that for hundreds and now thousands of years who have continued to have hard hearts, but God hasn't forgotten about them. And as described in Zechariah chapters 12, 13, and 14, On that day, what day is that? The day when they received the seal of God on their forehead, the day when they transition from mortality to immortality, the day when the battle of Armageddon is fought by Jesus Christ and won on their behalf, they participate in earth's crop. They are a part of that reaping of earth's crop. Indeed, all Israel will be saved on that day. Now, What about the rest of us? In other words, those who have died in Christ who are in heaven and those who are in Christ at the time of the second coming, let's hear the earth reaped prophecy. Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 20. Now let me reiterate. There's a pattern in the book of Revelation describing what is happening to Israel Biological Jews in Israel during the Great Tribulation and at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then what is happening to those who are in Christ, either in heaven or on earth or both. Now, Revelation 14, verses 6 to 20. Now that we've heard about what's happening to biological Jews in Israel who transition from mortality to immortality, what about the Gentiles? And what about uh, biological Jews who have come to Christ at the time of the second coming who are not in Israel? Let's hear it. Verses 6 to 20 of Revelation 14. So remember, Jesus Christ 
has returned. There's the marriage of the lamb. That's the first resurrection. Now it's time for the marriage supper, the battle of Armageddon. Verse 6 says, And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people, Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. Let's pause there for a second. So now we know that we're talking about the timing of the great tribulation. That's the wrath of Satan. It's exactly, precisely 1,260 days, three and a half years, 42 months. The wrath of Satan is followed by the wrath of God. So the wrath of Satan is the great tribulation. The wrath of God is the seven final plagues, which culminate with the battle of Armageddon, as described in Revelation chapters 15 and 16. So Verse 9 of 14 says, Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. What's God's cup of wrath? The seven final plagues that culminates with the battle of Armageddon. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. For they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Let's talk about this for a second. It says, anyone who worships the beast and his statue or accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. So that means that during the great tribulation, those who are deceived, they will take the mark of the beast either on their forehead or on their hand as described in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, Revelation chapter 13. It says, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. Well, when will they be tormented with fire and burning sulfur? When an individual experiences the first death, if that person, if that human being dies and is not in Christ, that means the individual's name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that individual will go to a prison of darkness. That prison of darkness is Hades. The individual is in that temporary storage tank 
essentially a layover until the timing of Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. The individual has perfect continuity of life, but is disembodied. So the individual is disembodied, but because he or she died not in Christ, the individual doesn't go to present heaven, but goes to Hades, which is a prison of darkness, the absence of light, separation from God, that individual will be there until the end of the millennial reign. So that it, so if a person died and was not in Christ, let's say in 1982, that individual is in Hades right now. Ian McCormick has a very interesting testimony about that. Very interesting testimony about that. His name is Ian McCormick. I saw a documentary about his experience. He had some uh, interviews on the 700 Club and elsewhere. Uh, if you're very interested about that, the, the best teaching I ever saw on Hades and hell and Gehenna, these different things, Ian McCormick gave the best teaching I've ever seen about that. For the purposes of our discussion, let's focus on the reality that individuals who die, not in Christ, they go to a prison of darkness, Hades. That's a, an actual location until the great white throne judgment. They are resurrected for participation in the great white throne judgment. This is described in Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15, the dead judged prophecy. At that time, their cases are heard. One by one, their cases are heard. Because their sin debt hasn't been paid for, 100% of those who participate in the great white throne judgment, on one side is God, and he has the evidence, which is the book. Every person's aims, motives, and deeds are recorded in that book. In other words, aims, motives, deeds, actions from the individual's lives, there's a record. It tells us in Revelation 20 in the Dead Judge Prophecy, that record is read. And when it's found that the individual has sin debts that are outstanding, that means the person is disqualified. Disqualified from being able to live on the new earth, which is coming after all the enemies of God have been destroyed. And at that time, when the person's case is heard and the individual is found guilty, in other words, guilty of having a debt that is owed, sin debt, then the individual is sent to the fiery lake that burns with brimstone and sulfur forever and ever. Let me share that with you. Um, this you need to know about this timing. You need to know about this timing so that this is clear. So we tend to think about, okay, 
what happens today, the end of today, tomorrow, or what happens this year, next year, like that. But God is talking about what is happening over eternity. So the reality of the trajectory of experience for those who die not in Christ, in other words, the goats, the tares, the weeds, the bad fish, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the trajectory of their life is this. They're on the present earth. When they die, their spirit and soul, two in one, so the one individual has the spirit and soul combined. When they die, they reside in Hades, a prison of darkness. Then, after Satan has been destroyed and goes to the lake of fire, we have the great white throne judgment. Let me read it to you, Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. Now, remember, these dead are not those who died in Christ. These dead are those who died not in Christ. It says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. Now, when does this happen? This happens after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, described in Revelation in the same chapter, verses 1 to 10, the millennial reign prophecy. So this is after the first thousand years of Jesus Christ being on this present earth and us ruling and reigning with him as members of the royal race. It says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, what's the sea, all the nations, and the death and death and the grave gave up their dead. What does that mean? How does the grave, if the nations gave up all their dead, right? And death in the grave gave up that their dead. What does that mean? They have been resurrected. They have been resurrected, but instead of being resurrected for eternal life, which happens for all who participate in the marriage of the Lamb, they're resurrected for eternal damnation. Let's hear about it. And all were judged according to their deeds. So they are standing in a tangible body. They have been resurrected. All the dead who failed to participate in the reaping of earth's crop. In other words, all who failed to transition from mortality to immortality at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now they have been resurrected too. But unfortunately... They stand before a great white throne, and their cases are heard, and all were judged according to their deeds. Now, why are they judged according to their deeds? Because all who participated in the marriage of the Lamb has had their sin debt paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. These individuals have not. So since that debt is outstanding, there must be a court proceeding because God is a just God. 
their cases must be heard. They must have the opportunity to uh, defend themselves. The evidence must be presented because God is a just God. It says, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So all of the people, all of the dead at this point are those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. All whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life participated in what's described in Revelation 14, which we're looking at today now let us go back to the earth reap prophecy it said we were talking about we went there to understand this then a third angel followed them shouting anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of god's anger it has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. So when do they go to the lake of fire? You just heard it in Revelation Chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. So they don't go there immediately. So they don't go there immediately. Uh, But again, for those who take the mark of the beast, a prison of darkness, being in Hades, separated from God, and a prison of darkness, disembodied, that's not a a good, uh, that's not a good situation either, right? If a person is in Hades, that means the person is on his or her way to the great white throne judgment. And if a person is on his or her way to the great white throne judgment, we hear it here in Revelation chapter 14, verse 10, they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur. So I just wanted to make sure that we understand that timing. When are they tormented with fire and burning sulfur? It doesn't happen. Uh, immediately Um, it says the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever they will have no relief day or night it's not that they will have no relief day or night at the battle of Armageddon right they will have no relief day or night when they are in the fiery lake that burns with sulfur and brimstone forever and ever so this happens after the great white throne judgment for all individuals who participate in the great white throne judgment. Now we know that there's three, there are two people and one angel who goes to the fiery lake that burns with sulfur and brimstone before the other human beings, right? So in Revelation 19, the antichrist and false prophet immediately at the battle of Armageddon, when they're defeated, they are thrown into the, fiery lake that burns with brimstone so they do not participate in the great white throne judgment they are the first two enemies of god to be destroyed then at the end of the millennial reign so the battle of armageddon is fought and won the government of jesus christ begins for a thousand years at the end of that thousand years satan is thrown into the lake of fire that's revelation chapter 20 verses 9 and 10 
And then finally, we have the great white throne judgment. Now, let's get back to talking about uh, Revelation 14. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. For they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Now, you might say, why do we need to focus on the reality that these individuals will have no relief day or night? Isn't it true that every person who uh, dies not in Christ will have no relief day or night? Absolutely. The purposes of the book of Revelation is to draw our attention to Daniel's 70th week described in Daniel chapter 9. There's a seven-year period. There's a seven-year period during which the 42-month Great Tribulation will happen, which ends with the Battle of Armageddon, which, of course, is preceded by the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the book of Revelation is drawing our attention to the upcoming great tribulation during which time the two witnesses and those of us who know about the book of revelation and the prophecies of the bible we will instruct many during this time so the mark of the beast do not take the mark so they will say if you want to buy and sell and participate in the economy of the one world government the Ten Nation Alliance that will include Germany, Russia, the United Kingdom, and other nations. If you want to participate in their new one world economy, the economy that's coming when they take down the current banking system, they take down the current uh, markets, and they erect a new financial system, if you take that mark of the beast because you feel compelled to buy and sell Within that economy, this is what awaits you. What awaits you? Hades, a prison of darkness, after you experience the first death, and then the great white throne judgment, and ultimately they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. For they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. So never, ever take the mark of the beast on your forehead or on your hand because that means that the trajectory of your life is take the mark of the beast, experience the first death, reside in Hades, a prison of darkness as a disembodied spirit, be resurrected to participate in the great white throne judgment, have your case heard by an omniscient God, be judged, be found guilty of having sin debt, and transition from one location to a final destination, which is the fiery lake that burns with sulfur and brimstone forever and ever. You might say, research scientists, this sounds like science fiction, and I am telling you that the Bible is science fact. We're told that all of the prophecies of the book of Revelation are certain, authentic, and sure to come to pass. Let me read that to you. In Revelation 22, I need you to hear me, truth seeker. I need you to hear me, truth seeker. 
Revelation 22, verse 6, the angel who shows John the Revelator this prophecy that we're looking at right now, Revelation 14, the 144,000 first fruits prophecy and then the earth reap prophecy. So the angel shows John the Revelator all these documentaries, right? And that he puts what he's seen into words for us. And then they're referred to as statements of prophecy in the book of Revelation. So then after the angel shows John the Revelator all these documentaries, the angel says this, verse 6 of 22, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. Let me say that again. Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. That means that it is true that everyone who takes the mark of the beast ultimately, ultimately will not only experience the first death, so that means die, more, experience what happens when you live in a mortal body, but will be resurrected for the purposes of participating in the great white throne judgment, have his or her case heard, be found guilty of having sin debt, which disqualifies an individual from being allowed to be on the new earth. You say, well, why do I want to be on the new earth? Well, Revelation 21 says on the new earth, there's no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more grief, no more death. The age of the curse is gone. We are beyond time. The new earth is the eternities of eternities. It's what Irvin Baxter referred to as eternity future. So you're not going to be talking about, hey, I'm turning 29 today. I'm turning 73 today. I'm turning 87 today. I'm turning 88. We are beyond all time on the new earth. It's existing forever and ever. You want to be a part of the new earth. You want to put on a body where your knees don't hurt, where your hair doesn't become discolored, where you don't have mental fog, where your back doesn't give out on you, when you can run like the wind, when you can eat whatever you want. You want to have God's perfect will for your life in this stage is very difficult. None of us achieves God's perfect will 100% of the time. But if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you put on that peak performance body and you live on the new earth where there's no more antichrist, no more false prophet, no more Satan, no more children of Satan, in other words, the rapists, the liars, the, liars, the adulterers, the tarot card readers, the psychics, the thieves, the list goes on and on. There's no more of that on the new earth. Friend and truth seeker, you want to be on the new earth. Have you ever said, I, I just wish that all suffering would end? All suffering is going to end. I just wish there was no more war. The Battle of Armageddon is the last war. It's the war to end all wars. You say, uh, I just wish that my grandfather would have lived long enough to see me X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. 
I wish I had had a chance to meet my great-great-grandmother. I wish my mother, you know, we all have these kinds of thoughts. Friend and truth seeker, do you know every person who died in Christ is coming back when Jesus returns and the individual is going to put on his or her peak performance body as a person in Christ, you're going to transition from mortality to immortality, put on your peak performance body, and all these things that you wish for can happen, but not for a year or two years or ten years or a hundred years, but forever and ever. Now let's continue. It says, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. So let's go back to Revelation 14. The mark of the beast will happen soon. You say, well, when's that going to happen? When the confirmation of the covenant happens, that's the beginning of the seven-year period. Daniel's 70th week, what's that? There will be a peace-sharing agreement. You know that it has happened when Israel, today, Israel is given the green light to rebuild its temple. That is the third temple. Solomon built the first temple. Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple. And now the third temple will be rebuilt. I believe that it's going to be in the lifetime of many of us listening today. When the green light is given... That's the beginning of the seven-year period. What seven-year period? Daniel's 70th week. The completion of all that needed to happen with Israel, the seven-year period culminates with the return of Jesus Christ. Now, what is he returning for? To fight and win the Battle of Armageddon on behalf of Israel. Very exciting stuff. Now, let's continue in Revelation 14. It says, the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. Now, what is this talking about? During the time of the Great Tribulation, this is very important. During the time of the Great Tribulation, that's when the mark of the beast will be available and administered. It wasn't 100 years ago. It wasn't 25 years ago. The mark of the beast is available and administered during the time of the Great Tribulation. Now, what about that time? That's what it's talking about here in Revelation 14. Verse 11, then it says, this means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently when, during the time of the Great Tribulation, you say, oh, wait, we're, we're going to be raptured. The first resurrection happens after the Great Tribulation. How do you know that? Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Let's go there for a moment. You say, well, I don't, I don't believe that. Why wouldn't a loving God let his people suffer during the Great Tribulation? The Great Tribulation is for the unbelievers. No, 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 friend. Satan is a liar. The Great Tribulation is Satan's wrath. 
The great tribulation is the wrath of Satan. Now, who does Satan want to persecute? Not his children, but God's children. Now, let's look at some proof that the great tribulation, that the first resurrection happens after the great tribulation. The reality is that during the great tribulation, all believers must choose to refuse the mark of the beast. And in Revelation 20, verse 4, this is after the battle of Armageddon has been fought and won. John the Revelator says, talking about the beginning of the millennial reign, the beginning of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, John the Revelator says, Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given authority, the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. Let me say that again. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. Well, when are these individuals going to be beheaded? During the time of the great tribulation. So you can't be beheaded during the time of the great tribulation unless you are here in a physical body that can experience the first death. Let's read on. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue. So we're in Revelation 20, verse 4. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue. Now, when can you worship the beast? You can't worship the beast today. You can't worship the statue of the beast today because the false prophet hasn't commissioned that yet. It's described in Revelation chapter 13 in the 666 Antichrist prophecy. The false prophet will commission a statue of the beast. It will be built But we can't worship the statue of the beast because it's not here yet. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. So how can you not accept the mark on your forehead or your hand unless it's available? So that's the proof right there that we believers, the good fish, the sheep, The wheat, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's a group of here during the Great Tribulation. It says they all came to life again and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So indeed, we will be here during the Great Tribulation and some, some will be beheaded. Now let's continue in Revelation chapter 14 it says then i saw a white cloud wait let me back up for a second verse 13 and i heard a voice from heaven saying write this down blessed are those who die in the lord from now on yes says the spirit they are blessed indeed for they will rest from their hard work for their good deeds follow them Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Okay, friend and truth seeker, this is the part where it's talking about the harvest. We heard about the 144,000. Now, what about those who are here On the earth at the time of the second coming, here we go. It says, then another angel 
came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. Now, what's the crop on the earth? Every believer, every believer. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested. What does that mean? That means that every person in Christ at the time of the second coming will transition from mortality to immortality. Now, what about the rest of the people? So after the first resurrection happens, the marriage of the Lamb, what about the rest of the people? Well, here it is. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. Now, the clusters of grapes, the clusters of grapes refer to all who are in Israel at the time of the Battle of Armageddon and a part of the armies led by the Antichrist and the false prophet and the kings of the earth. Remember, the book of Revelation focuses often on what happens during the Great Tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan, and then what happens during the seven final plagues, which is the wrath of God. The wrath of God culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon is fought in Israel. Now, here it is. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. Now, you might say, research scientists, how do you know that this is talking specifically about Israel only in the Battle of Armageddon? The book of Revelation has 12 statements of prophecy, and each one has a focus. This focus is on the reality of the first resurrection for those who are in Christ at the time of the second coming and the reality that those who are not in Christ and who are there to destroy Israel, that they are going to suffer the first death. We see detailed explanation of this 180 miles long uh, worth of blood flowing from the wine press in Revelation 19, verses 6 to 21. So this prophecy right here, the earth reaped prophecy, is about the harvest. 
But Revelation 19, verses 6 to 21, is about the Battle of Armageddon. So the Battle of Armageddon is mentioned here briefly, but to get those details about the wine press, we have to go to the Marriage Supper Prophecy, which is Revelation 19. Let me read a little bit about the clusters of grapes and the wine press so that you know that uh, it's true, and maybe you want to go there to look at it. Let's hear about this. Revelation 19, verse 15, from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slaves, small and great. What is this? This is the angel announcing to the vultures, the Battle of Armageddon is about to happen, you are instructed to participate in God's cleanup plan. Specifically, it says, come gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. This is the wedding banquet, the wedding feast, the marriage supper. It just depends on what translation of the Bible you're looking at. So, so what is it? It's not for the people of God. It's for the vultures. What is it? They are coming to eat because they are part of the cleanup plan for the Battle of Armageddon. You say, that sounds, that just sounds terrible. I agree. But it's true. If there are 180 miles of blood, of human and animal carnage, that has to be cleaned up. Now, here's what the Bible says. The angel tells the vultures, come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slaves, small and great. Now, where are they coming to? They aren't coming to Texas. They aren't coming to Montana. They aren't coming to uh, Botswana. They aren't coming to Ethiopia. They aren't coming to Libya. They aren't coming to Switzerland. They are coming to Israel, and they are coming to eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great, there to destroy Israel. Let's hear about it. Let's continue. Verse 19 says immediately after this, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on, sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who had worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Those are the first two enemies of God. So at the Battle of Armageddon, they're thrown into the fiery lake that burns with uh, sulfur. 
Then it says, their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. Where's their entire army? It's there in Jerusalem. What's the entire army there to do? To annihilate the Jews who remain in Jerusalem. They're there for the third Holocaust. The second Holocaust is what I mean to say. They're there for the second Holocaust, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. What's going to happen? Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. And here in Revelation 14, how many dead bodies were there? Bodies of humans and animals. It says in Revelation 14, the grapes were trampled in the wine press outside the city, and blood flowed from the wine press in a stream about 180 miles long. So there's 180 miles long worth of human and animal carnage at the Battle of Armageddon. God's cleanup plan is for the vultures to uh, gorge themselves on the flesh of the enemies of Israel, who are therefore the enemies of God and their animals that they are using uh, during this battle. Friend and truth seeker, I hope that this was an interesting talk for you. We are going to continue our discussion of the 144,000. I want to mention that the study notes for our discussion today are provided at blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. The one-page basic study notes are available. If you want the one-page basic study notes for the 144,000 First Fruits Prophecy, please go to blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. You can go to today's date, which is May 25th of 2023. This month, May of 2023, every talk on secrets revealed Understand the book of Revelation from start to finish is on the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. Everything on PGN, Prophetic Grace Network, is always 100% free. There's no merchandising of the Word of God on PGN. Everything connected to this show is 100% free for you uh, always. So I encourage you and invite you to look at those basic study notes as your schedule permits. If you weren't able to be with us live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Texas time, 10 a.m. Eastern time, and every Sunday at 12 p.m. Texas time, 1 p.m. Eastern time, I encourage you to go to the archive. You can listen. You can download from the Apple Podcast, if you use Apple Podcasts, you can download there. You can also come to blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. You can uh, listen there to every program that we have uh, for this Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish. I'm going to ask you to seriously consider putting on your schedule, being with us and listening to this program, uh, because we're going from start to finish with the 12 statements of prophecy. In January, every talk was on the seven seals prophecy. In February, every talk was on the seven trumpets prophecy. In March, every talk was on the... Uh, 1,260 days prophecy in 
April, every talk was on the 666 Antichrist prophecy. May is the fifth month, so we've been talking about the fifth statement of prophecy, the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. We're going to get into the weeds, really drill down on the earth reap prophecy in June. In July, we'll be talking about the seven the seven plagues prophecy in July. In August, we'll be talking about the purple and scarlet prophecy, the harlot church. Who's the harlot church? Who's the false prophet? Where is Babylon? We'll be talking about that in August, every program. In September, we'll be talking about the marriage supper prophecy. That's the Battle of Armageddon prophecy. In October, we'll be talking about the Millennial Reign prophecy. In November, the Dead Judged prophecy. In November, we'll be talking about the Dead Judged prophecy. In December, all of December, we'll be talking about the New Earth. That is what we all look forward to. Living on the new earth where there's no more curse, there's no more death, no more pain, no more grief, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more mourning. And not only that, every member of the royal race will be in a peak performance, forever immortal body, and we will live on the new earth forever and ever. So I invite you to be with me and with us uh, as we talk about these prophecies. Please text in your questions about the book of Revelation to 1-214-505-8719. Until next time, friend, if you haven't done so yet, I encourage you, call out to God according to Jeremiah 33.3. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.